This podcast is part of the GWC Network. For more information on it or to check out some of our other awesome podcasts, visit us at galacticwatercooler.com. After the tone, enjoy the show. This is Save Eureka, podcast number 44, Mirror Mirror. Welcome back, everybody. It's America Day. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Indeed. And only three days ago, it was Canada Day. I'm telling you. Hooray! Hurrah! They always have those days on different days, you know? It's like... Almost like the two separate nations or something like that. <laughs> Isn't it funny, though, how it's like one is called Canada Day and the other one is just colloquial known as the 4th of July? As I call it America Day. Yeah. <laughs> America Day. It's like its importance is so obvious that you don't even need to call to it by us. its name. Yeah, yeah. We started, I picked it you up. You guys like doing that, though. I mean, you got 9-11 as well. So well, they do like, it in Mexico, too. I mean, Cinco de Mayo. Yeah. I, I picked it up from Juan. I started calling it America Day. Yeah. <laughs> America I like Day. I America like Day. That. I like that. Well, it's funny because most a lot of people think that Cinco de Mayo is the equivalent in Mexico. It's not. Oh no, oh. it's not. It's like September sixteenth is the Independence Day, but right. um, but May fifth is uh, the Battle of Puebla. It's like a, a huge battle victory. That's like the big one. Nice with the hero Zapata. <laughs> the big one day just yeah. didn't have the same ring to it, so. The big one day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow, there's a... <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> now that's a callback. <laughs> I missed it. I'm telling you, uh, interesting twist of events in uh, Eureka. Yeah, I saw on, on Twitter a couple of people beat me to viewing it and said, oh, yeah. oh man, it's dark and Felicia Day's scary. And <laughs> I was like, hmm, what's coming up here? So do we want to r- jump like right into theories as to what is going Hell on? Oh yeah, here? jump away. I think it's win. Yeah? Yeah. Well, I mean, okay, remember uh, the end of uh, Force Quit, right? That episode where they right. get out, right? Where Win is effectively trapped in the single sheriff's office room. Right. Unless Beverly secretly created another Matrix computer to put her in. I don't think that, you know, I think what she, she might have done is trapped her in the, the one computer somehow, like, again, with a remote connection, like, like uh, Carter got in with, and then killed her. And then she was just another piece of the Matrix that was sitting out there, and, the, and because she wasn't registered into the system, she wasn't really, uh, you know, detected like Holly was. Interesting. So that she was just kind of rant, kind of she was in there with Holly, but not really, uh, not really, um, you know, in in the same fashion of you know all the other ones were you know had all registrations and they you know were all in the main part of it. They weren't remoted in or anything. So, what do you think about um, like? I'm I'm kind of I'm good at picking out like really close details, but I have a hard time like zooming out and seeing the forest. So maybe you can help me with this. Yeah. Um, I thought that uh, Holly. When basically she got the uh, the intersect, um, <laughs> that, yeah, <laughs> that it was the intersect. Yeah, effect, wouldn't it? <laughs> Audra leans over to me and she's like, "Does she know kung fu?" Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> excellent. It was awesome. But I thought that after that she was acting just like Beverly. Her behavior, her kind of See, but I don't manipulation think Beverly has that motive. 
Well, um, maybe not, I mean, but she, I just I just thought that the way that she spoke and her mannerisms and everything just were an awful. They they were well, they reminiscent were, they were over of the top, which Wynn also started talking like when you know when, um, when they started suspecting that she might be involved. You know, she was like, you know, oh, don't worry. I mean, my 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 duties as a senator means that I'm going to look into it too, and they're like, you're weird. You know, one. Uh, and I'm not sure I agree that it's Beverly, but one one kind of piece of kind of, I don't know, something that points in the direction of it being Beverly is did you notice how she had this sort of, I don't know, semi-sexual flirting kind of thing going on that was very non-Holly and very much Beverly and not so much Wynn? Hmm. Like I said, I'm not sure that I, I agree that it's Beverly. You mean when she was manipulating Fargo to get the signature? Or just kind of in general? Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I think the flirting with Fargo was pretty bad. Well. It's kind of just very base and just. Hmm. Well, I could see that. And then, and then she just very, very quickly dropped it. And I don't, I don't know. I don't. The mannerisms seemed very Beverly at that moment. But I got to admit, the thing that makes me think the most that it's not Beverly is that is the way she's like now we're even when she when she tases uh right right yeah, well that Carter. was the one thing that threw me off because if if it means very literally that the tase is a response to a previous oh then it could attack, be when then then no no that pointed me at maybe a dark holly or something yeah because Wynn never got directly attacked. I went back and watched uh, Force Quit again. Nice. And and she never really gets specifically, you know, she never really gets specifically uh, uh, in conflict with Carter. You know what I mean? Like they, that never, that, that final showdown never really happens because Carter's in the, in the Matrix, right? Right, right. And then... Well, if it's... Uh, and then... Uh, uh, Beverly disappears with with Wynn, right? And I think it's a good point that you make. I mean, if it's a dark Holly, it would make sense. And and Allison said something about like uh, conflict. I think it was Allison conflicting. Um, like there's a conflict in Holly's computer brain about like with perception and you know something else. Like if those two things conflict, what she thinks is real and what's real then it could cause corruption or whatever. And, you know, I could see that happening. I mean, if that if that kind of thing happens, it could turn her into a person with just a, a completely different personality, but with the same memory and then a revenge motive instead of just a... Right. Well, the the other weirdness that I want to throw in there is that what what was with the computer voice right at, up at the st- up, up 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 at the start? Because I don't I don't think we'd ever really heard that in in any Eureka computers. That kind of very very human sounding computer voice that Holly yeah. responded to. I don't I, know what that was. I Oh, that's a great question too because I I was like did Zane have this in his office or something and just we didn't know about it before? Yeah, I I didn't recognize the voice. Oh, mm. it probably was whoever whoever's yeah, pulling I, the strings. Right. I hadn't I hadn't thought about it being win by that point, so I didn't really I don't know. You know, I have to admit that my money right now, my quarter would be on the split Holly. You know, like good Holly, evil Holly. You know, evil Holly's out, good Holly's in. It was backwards before. Like, you know, good old like transporter split sort of thing. Parallel universe. (laughs) Okay, so if we're going between Beverly 
Win and and Evil Holly. I, I'm I'm going to take Win. And my argument against the other two is probably, I mean, even just in terms of story writing, they've already done the other two stories. They've already had Evil Beverly in somebody else's body, and they've already previously just had that episode where Holly was losing her mind. Yeah, Chuck, you had that um, that argument too, where I said I think that um, the intersect took Holly. Holly's consciousness out of the body, stuffed it back into the computer, and then swapped her with somebody else, like Beverly. And you said something like, "I, I suspect uh, so that they're going to do, do the yeah, they do the next gag." You yeah, know? you're like they kind of already did that. Yeah, you know, I because yeah, that it was very much the same sort of thing. You know that it seems to me that the Inception style thing they're still in the Matrix somehow seems a bit on Eureka. Kind oh yeah, of that like was they, another they would, they thing would that I brought the up. Next, uh, they would do the next gag instead of move on, which is what Juan's suggesting here. Uh, that they maybe, would they would move forward with a story that they haven't really touched on yet. Maybe it's Seska. <laughs> nice again. <laughs> no, it's uh, it's Susan Peterson come back for revenge <laughs> from the first. <laughs> the whole series turns out to be a revenge story yeah. by the original clone Susan Peterman. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and she's mad at Carter because uh, Carter's the one that solved the, the mystery about what really happened. And she would have never found out about the clone of herself and all the messed up stuff that Walter did and that she had this kid that she doesn't want. She never would have found out about that crap if it hadn't been for Carter. And that's why she said now or even. <laughs> no, one thing that definitely caught me was that it seems like we have... I know when we heard about this early on uh, after the cancellation, we heard that that they were going to do the one more episode to wrap it up. And it would definitely, I, I couldn't help but think the whole time we were watching, I'm like, wow, this is definitely the kind of setup that you would expect at the end of a Eureka season. Like yes. they're going to swap everybody out and we're going to go into the next season. We're going to go into a cliffhanger where you've got people swapped out and things are really freaky. <laughs> and, and you know, it also occurred to me that that would very much be the kind of thing where the network would say, Oh yeah. Okay. We'll give you one more to fix it. Cause yeah. you just going out on, it's bad enough to have to, for whatever reason, cancel a show that is still somewhat popular and has a good fan base, but to cancel it where you had people swapped out like that or something. Oh, that would suck. It would just be like yeah. spitting in people's faces. And I suppose they- all those characters you love, they're all <laughs> lying on, on, on concrete floor, you know, with bags over their faces. That's <laughs> they goodbye, have- everybody. <laughs> they had that experience with Farscape, right? And they're like, okay, we'll just... It's amazing when you think about like how many of these sci-fi archetypes that Eureka has dealt with. Like, It's awesome, you know, when you think about it. Like, um, parallel dimensions, uh, cloning, time travel, alternate <laughs> timelines, um, machines as human, you know, um, like everything, you know? Space travel, um you know, super technology all the time. Yeah. And, uh, you know, bringing people back into, <laughs> you know, bringing people back from the dead by transporting their consciousness. And, <laughs> I mean, anything. It's just, it's awesome. I'm like, yay, sci-fi. Like, those are all like quintessential sci-fi things. Points, yeah, right? they, they get all the best of them. Huh. What did you think was the purpose of having Fargo be like, Snoopy as the Red Baron, you know, like flying that crop duster around and wearing his scarf and everything. I thought it was, I thought that maybe it was just pure entertainment because it was just so funny to see him 
like doing loop-de-loops in a little prop plane and then walking around GD with a, a, like a white scarf. And it's very Fargo. If you want to read into it, maybe it symbolizes the fact that he's so happy to have his Holly back. And he's just being jovial and like, oh, he's <laughs> a crop duster to do this high-tech experiment. I just thought, I, like, I didn't even know he could fly. And here he is doing, like, aerial tricks and yeah i was kind of i was kind of having the the uh, the pilot in me kind of thought that was funny considering all the problems he had with the uh with the one space mission that he was on in terms of zero g and all this various stuff and then he was ripping around in that thing with way worse than what he did in the, yeah. <laughs> you're like even mm. performing like an aerobatic stunt at the end <laughs> yeah you're like mm, maybe not so much i would so not do one of those vertical loops in a plane like that did you hear it almost stall at the end it was like drunk 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 at the top i was like oh like you know, freaking out <laughs> that freaks me out on a roller coaster i did uh i did three hours of aerobatic training oh. and uh oh. and it was it was good i learned a lot and it was a lot of, it was very valuable and uh i gotta tell <laughs> it you it was educational <laughs> i mean yeah it looks really cool and all and you know if you just did one or something like oh look a spin oh look a, a loop you know but when you do them over and over and over again and you're struggling to like target certain performance while you're doing it, eventually you just get wrung out when you're doing like, you know, negative, negative two, four and a half, five G's, negative two, four and a half, you know, and you're doing all this shit back and forth. You just, after three, you just feel wrung out, you know? It doesn't matter how good you are at that kind of stuff. You just feel like you've been put in a washing machine and ran on, <laughs> on a spin cycle, you know? You're like, damn it. So, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking maybe not. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was funny. It was funny. And uh, it's Eureka. I'm fine with, with it, you being a one-off with Eureka. Yeah, I mean, you, you have those dark parts of the episode, but then you also have, like, cracks like Farmageddon. Yeah, that was awesome. He's like, they are calling it Farmageddon, <laughs> <laughs> or the uh, Joe's little crack is like, man, all these mirrors. This must be like Zane's. <laughs> oh, yeah, Zane's, Zane's dream fantasy. come true or something. Yeah, that was hilarious. That was awesome. The uh, why are mirrors always so scary? Do you ever notice that? Like, oh man, whenever I watch a TV show, if someone looks at themselves in a reflection, the thing is, like, it's inherently boring to watch someone look at themselves in a mirror. So the only time they ever show that happening is when something's going to happen with it. You know what I mean? Like they would, they would not take the time out to just show us the reflection for no reason. So you're waiting for the reflection to move or, or be I, different I or something. I jumped when the second Joe. <laughs> oh, that was awesome. Like, ah, what the crap is that? Yeah. Anybody remember that weirdo horror movie? Uh, I think it was called Prince of Darkness. It might have been. It was uh, back in the 80s. And it, it was actually, actually, it was sci-fi, barely. Like, uh, they, they were in this church, and uh, they, the weird things happened with the mirrors. They would turn into liquid and stuff. And, huh. and uh, it turns out eventually later that they were... Um, Sorry, uh, I had to take care of a cat here. Uh, <laughs> it, it, it turns out that they had, uh, it was actually the same, they, there's this signal that was going between them. I don't remember it very well. It was a long time ago. I only saw it in the theater once. Uh, but apparently the whole thing was 
being caused by the fact that something really freaky supernatural was going to happen and the future thems were actually sending a signal back that people picked up in their sleep through tachyons from the future or something so when they'd sleep they'd have these weird dreams about the place and them in the th- in the uh in the place and I don't know, it was freaky but there were two things about it that were really funny one was made me think of it one was the mirror scene which yeah, is always weird yeah. when they look at the mirror and then they touch it and it does something weird the other thing uh was the that the these people would possess each other by spewing water out of their mouth oh yeah yeah, yeah i remember this yeah. story i know i know i won't tell the story it's it a stupid. good story <laughs> basically he played a prank on one of the people he went to the movie with by holding water from a drinking fountain in his mouth for like 20 minutes afterward <laughs> and then you know halfway it, back in the back of the van leaning over somebody and being like let's be on the water and of course everybody flipped out right? <laughs> <laughs> nicely done yeah that's awesome well executed sir but yeah it, it's not it's not even freaky to me if like the mirror turns to liquid it's when the reflection changes yeah <laughs> What was it? Was it their Big Bang Theory? You remember where Sheldon looks up and he sees himself as a uh, Gollum? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, we're still yeah. the One Ring. Yeah, that was a cool episode. I do yeah. think it's uh, awesome that the uh, the same effect that in you know what was it ninety nine that when they did the Matrix, that same effect can now be done on a TV budget. <laughs> oh my God, I know it. I know and it, it looked good. I mean, I've never seen, you know, mirrors materialize out of super tiny particles, but I don't know, it looked pretty believable. I was buying it. Looked pretty yep. hot. <laughs> Joe's explanation. You know that you know that shiny thing you put on your on your windshield <laughs> when you park your car? Yeah. Well like a like, <laughs> like a little version of millions of little versions of that. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> You know, one of the creepiest things for me in, in this type of episode is when people are not themselves and there's so much tension as you watch the other characters become suspicious and then it's like you there's this dramatic tension where you're like, Come on, you know you know something's up, you know, follow your intuition, do something, say something, go check it out. Like when uh you know, Fargo asked Allison to go check on Holly and she's like, oh, well, it's not a big deal. And you're like, just do it. And then, you know, the thing with Henry again and he comes back. Oh, yeah, I saw she was using the bioprinter. I think after this amount of time that, you know, they might trust each other. Right. A little bit more. Right? Like we've traveled through time. We've lived in alternate realities and fake realities. You know, I think those bonds should be pretty tight at this point that if somebody says something's up, you go check into it. Yeah, exactly. It's like in uh, Stargate Atlantis, how after so many things, after so many seasons, when McKay's like, oh, scientifically, that's not possible. You're just like, Rodney, come on. (laughs) You know that all kinds of things that are not possible have already happened to you and your same crew once a week for the last three years. You know, (laughs) what does he say? Impossible uh, or no. uh Improbable it, uh, takes me a few seconds. Imp- impossible is a few minutes. Right. Something like to that. solve it. Yeah. Yeah. Anybody else have a uh, like? Uh, what was it? Was it liar liar? I'm kicking my ass. <laughs> <You mind? laughs> yeah. I know it's bad, but <laughs> I couldn't help it. I, I like the thing that engages Carter in in the in the. The, the reason that he should care about this is the loss of bladder control and um, <laughs> other stuff. A few more minutes of bladder control, I'll take it. 
Yeah. I, I also thought that uh, Henry kind of wasn't really thinking through what he was what he was doing by turning himself in either. It's very Henry, though. It is, it is but I I mean, as, as powerful as the connection is to his wife, he's probably also got to consider that he also has a lot of information that could get a lot of other people in trouble, too. Yeah. You know, all the people that have time traveled. Well, remember that whole problem where yeah. if anybody, if the government finds out that any of us have had anything to do with time travel, they're going to lock us all up. Yeah. You, know, you, you might want to think that, you know, government interrogation methods might be effective and it gets something out of that, too. Well, I think one of the other reasons that this is so Henry is that he's a really decent guy at the core, but when really highly emotional things happen to him, especially tragic things, he tends to act very selfishly, you know, and or or maybe um, without he, thinking about others, right? Yeah, exactly, you, you know, mean. not that he's you know inherently a selfish person or something, but he just—it's not like benefit him to hurt and no care about it. It's more like it might even hurt him if he thinks it's right. He he'll do it without worrying about single-minded yeah. about it, and he can't well see said. anything else. Well, so, and, and even with the time travel stuff aside, is that if he was going to turn himself in for for Grace, I mean. He didn't even talk to her about it. And so, again, it's being, uh, like yeah. you said, being very selfish. So, Well, that's why Carter and, and Joe were emphasizing that point. Like, if it's for grace, then then this makes sense. So he would basically have to either say, okay, that's not the, the big reason, or go along with it. And, and they knew he wasn't going to admit that it was more about feeling guilty and turning himself in to absolve himself of this moral burden, you know, of, of thinking that he could actually be a really bad person and just not realize it, that he's capable of that. Because basically, you know, the other Henry was married to Grace and he may have felt in the beginning, like when he first jumped into the other Henry's life, that's not me. I'm not that guy. Right. But over time he comes to, Sort of, maybe not directly, but over time he comes to accept that he and the other Henry have a lot in common because he falls in love with Grace and he has a really happy marriage with her. And he starts, he fits into the other Henry's life well enough where I think it's a real, it's like an existential shock to realize that, you know, at this point he's just kind of accepted that he is very much like the other Henry, virtually the same until now. And and I think that Henry knows he feels so guilty that he knows that it's that thing he yelled about. You know, I'm not going to I'm not going to let you set me free on a technicality. Right. And and that's well, the technicality is that he's lived his life as though he's basically the same. He can't just, uh, you know, change his mind when it doesn't benefit him. I'm sure that's what he's thinking. Yeah. And I mean, he, he can also justify it in his own mind as well as that he's done other things in the past that he deserves to be punished for and never and never really got uh had tacked onto him, but I, right. I think maybe he's probably also thrown up in the air a little bit as well, because like, like you said, he, he got to know more of who he was and, and who the other Henry was through grace. And now it turns out that she says, Oh, well it was a chance to start fresh. So she's also been feeding him information. That's not accurate either. So they were both looking to each other for how they wanted to change. Right. I mean, that, that's a that's a really kind of weird thing is that they could both become new and, you know, arguably better people. But, you know, they 
this is just that that past catching up to them in in both directions. I, I don't know. Like it it's it's got to kind of shake your your perception. Is that he thought that he was the one that had this big secret, and you know he, he tells that to Grace, and now it's flipped back around, and that the 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 new life he was he's living that he thought he was living in the shadow of of the other Henry is also more false than he even thought. It's I don't know, it's it's kind of a mind frack. Yeah, absolutely. More than kind of. <laughs> okay, it's a major mind yeah. frack. <laughs> Indeed. Well, I was thinking that when he was watching the video that he was able to partially restore of the other Henry talking. Yeah, and- oh, and notice the uh, section 5 reference there. Yeah. Uh, which happened in the past, which I'm thinking maybe that's a cue. A cue. Clue, clue maybe, to something hey, new. Hey, maybe the evil person's Carl Carlson. <laughs> God. It's like, I, I've been trapped in that stupid artifact for this long and nobody came to save me. You know what else? I, I had kind of a flashback to the very first episode of Eureka. And I guess it wasn't, but when Carter and Joe were driving the Jeep down the uh, the highway out of town, I guess, and then they came across themselves, and it was a reflection. But my first thought was, crap, like in the very first episode when they're, uh, he Carter is driving the Jeep with, uh, not the Jeep, but he's driving with Zoe in the back, oh, yeah. and they see themselves drive by. That was never explained, and I thought, yeah, oh my was. god. In that, be- in that same, they? Yeah, in the pilot they explained it. Oh, I forgot that. It was when they were uh it was when they were leaving to to uh in the modified car. In fact, if you look, you can see the cars modified the way Henry yeah. modified it. Yeah. Yeah, they explained it. They in fact you saw them live through the day and then you saw them uh leaving and seeing themselves, so. But what caused the I don't remember. It was definitely uh but it, it was explained in oh, the Oh, it was like self-contained. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just I've been looking for earlier throwbacks because we've been getting some of them. True. You know, Henry reminds me uh, back to Henry for a second. He's more emotional because it's a a really personal issue, but he reminds me a little bit of uh, Socrates. You know, the story of how Socrates basically... um, you know, the, the Athenian philosopher, and he goes around and he's uh, teaching people how to ask, ask questions and how to uh, seek out truth and, you know, kind of push away false pretense and, and you know, get, get down to what things really are. And uh, he's sentenced to death by a jury um, because of a number of accusations. The main one is, you know, corrupting the youth, basically, um, undermining... Mm-hmm the youth undermining the uh, the government uh by teaching people to ask questions and then essentially rebel if they have problems and stuff um and what happens is he has this conversation with um i think it's crito if i remember like but anyway uh if you read plato's writing about it socrates is sitting in his cell basically and he's gonna be executed the next day and he knows it and he has the opportunity to appeal and he's talking to his friend who's trying to say, look, you know, this is outrageous. This government is doing this to you. They've only been in power for a few short years and they feel threatened. So they're taking it out on you. You know, as well as anyone else, that this is crap and we can probably win this case. And Socrates said, it's not right for me to spend my entire life and all of my efforts 
talking about the good of democracy and then to have a jury of my peers convict me and then to go and try to overturn it because the outcome would be negative for me. He said, right. it basically, it comes down to my life or my integrity. And personally, I choose integrity. And then the next day he went and, and no matter like no amount of pleading and you can read the whole argument written out, no amount of pleading would change his mind. And he just went and, you know, drank the, the poison. And but that's kind of it makes me think of that with Henry. You know, he feels like there's this sense of justice and I think a lot of guilt you know, like you were saying, Juan, too. There's other stuff that he's done. Even if it's not this, he feels like he deserves it somehow in some universe, you know? Right. In the immortal words of Socrates. I drink what? I drink what? <laughs> <laughs> Real genius seemed appropriate for uh, for Eureka. Well, I'm excited to see what's coming next because clearly we're on a build to the finish now. And uh, this is... Plot-wise, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> there's a lot going down now. This is Oh, not, my God. Not a standalone. So who do we have left that's not doubled? Are we, is it Allison, Fargo, and Zane? Right, and Zane is in, uh, is in custody. And did anybody see who they were printing... Right before they confronted Carter, it sure Carter. Looked, are you sure it was Carter? Yeah, it was. It was Carter. Okay, okay. Yeah, because there was a real quick was flash be, of his yeah. face. Yeah, at the yeah, end. Yeah, I wondered. Okay, so uh, so yeah, that's why when he saw it, he went and he he like jumped backward and Zane fell. in cu- Zane in custody, Fargo and uh, yeah. You know what? I'm gonna think that Shaw uh, might have something uh, positive to to contribute to this. Yeah. Because I'm gonna think that he's gonna figure. I'm a, I'm a hope that he's gonna figure out that Joe's different, or um, I mean, if he can put any critical thinking, he he's back and he's just doing his job again, like a, a good old, you know, middle management in the military kind of thing. But it would be nice to see him kind of just break out of his shell just a little bit and and maybe help Zane uh, figure out what's wrong with Joe and and he know, and Zane are up. like polar opposites, so it would be perfect. Which would be perfect storytelling right there. But we saw Shaw look very suspiciously at Joe. I mean, he's a he's a sharp guy, you know. Yeah, well, that's it. He's not incompetent, and he's not no stupid. No, he's straight laced. Right, and he's not evil. He's he's just doing his job. So, hmm. if he could just do his job in the right direction, we'll be okay. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right, and it has to be one of our team that saves the day. I mean, they're not going to have. You know, Shaw saved the day. It's going to be right, but I w- I would think he'd be like uh, showing up to help. Or sure. Like yeah. And and where's Fargo? He'd be again? like the the Odo when they um, when they drive the Dominion off the off the space station. I think like I think you're right though. I mean, of the people left, it's probably Zane, and he's in a position to help Zane. That makes sense. I'm that would be it. awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it would. Uh, sorry, I forget what what happened to Fargo. Where's he at? Fargo's still around. Okay, so we were just thinking it's probably going to be Zane who does it. I think we'll probably see another Fargo Holly showdown that'll maybe yeah. end a little more abruptly than last time because it's not actually Holly. Poor Fargo, man. No kidding. No kidding. Well, I am stoked, and and even though it's dark, 
I have complete trust that the show is going to be awesome. Yeah, as much as we've heard the writers and the actors and the creators and they everybody really else talk how about it, how they don't see it as a dark show, I don't think that the show's going a dark place for the finish. It's no, I this is. I think that this is a really good setup for the finale here. It's, yeah, I agree. If it stays true to form, it'll be about you know, family and friends and, you know, staying together and supporting one another. And it'll have a good, you know, even though bad things can happen, like in life, you know, it'll ultimately have a good feeling, I think, a good ending. Roger, you got anything to add here at the end? That was it. (laughs) One? I've said my piece. (laughs) All right, everybody. Well, have a good one and we'll see you next week. From everyone here at Save Eureka and GWC, thanks for listening. If you'd like to watch Eureka or other fun shows with some of the friendliest people in geekdom, visit us at galacticwatercooler.com. We'd love to hear from you as well. If you have something to add to the show, give us a call at 214-296-9229. That's 214-296-9229. And follow the instructions there to leave us a message for inclusion in a future podcast. Financial support from listeners like you keep all GWC podcasts on the net each week. To find out how to donate, visit galacticwatercooler.com slash donate.